A top U.S. investigation firm raided in China. Due diligence company Mintz Group found itself raided and its staff seized by Chinese officials. The company has since closed its office there, adding it had received no warning or legal notice. All five staff members detained are Chinese nationals. This comes ahead of the big business summit in China, where the likes of Tim Cook and Ray Dalio will attend. But will raids like these scare away more foreign business from China? Welcome to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. Chinese authorities raiding the office of a U.S. firm in Beijing and detaining five of its local staff. U.S. corporate due diligence firm Mintz Group reported the incident late Thursday and since closed its Beijing office. The company also confirmed it had not received advanced notice or any legal notice of a case against it. Mintz said it was ready to work with the Chinese authorities to resolve any misunderstanding with its top concern being the safety and well-being of its colleagues in China. All five detained staff members are Chinese nationals. Criminal suspects in China can be held for months or even years without being charged or having access to legal representation. Canada's two Michaels, for example, Michael Kovrig and Spaver, were held in China for nearly three years. Their case largely seen as revenge for the arrest of Chinese telecom giant Huawei CFO Meng Wanzhou. The U.S. State Department maintains a level three reconsidered travel advisory for China, saying the Chinese regime arbitrarily enforces local laws and citing the risk of wrongful detention. Beijing staying tight-lipped about the incident. I am not aware of the situation you mentioned. According to Mintz Group's website, it specializes in background checking, fact-gathering and internal investigations, usually into fraud, corruption or workplace misconduct allegations. The raid comes as Beijing prepares to host the annual China Development Forum. The three-day event is considered China's Davos. It will have more than a hundred foreign delegates. Analysts point to the timing of the incident as the U.S. works to cut China off from high-end microchips, ban TikTok, and call out Chinese leader Xi Jinping for his ties to Russia, plus the Taiwanese president's upcoming U.S. visit. They also say it sends a message. China wants U.S. money and technology, but rejects due diligence and foreign intel on its companies. A business exodus or just a rumor? U.S. investment giant Vanguard Group is pulling out of China. That's according to Chinese news website Caixin. If true, it would mean the company would abandon a $3.9 trillion fund market as other firms look for inroads. Sources say that Vanguard is closing down its main office in Shanghai, officially ending its four-year partnership with Chinese financial giant Ant Group. But Vanguard dismissed the report, calling it a rumor. Ant Group also denied the departure, saying that the partnership is still ongoing. The two companies held a joint venture back in 2019, advising Chinese retail consumers on investment. Vanguard holds a 49% share in Ant. The company first began pulling back in 2021. China is urging state firms to abandon the world's big four audit firms. One of them, accounting firm Deloitte, is facing a $31 million fine from China. That's for what Beijing calls auditing negligence. Beijing's finance ministry says Deloitte failed to examine the asset status of China Huarong, a Chinese state-owned debt management company. Huarong also got fined for internal government's lapses, risk control failures, and severe inaccuracy of accounting information from 2014 to 2019. 
Huarong has been in turmoil after it failed to release its 2020 earnings on time. Deloitte is one of the largest companies in the professional services network. It's also listed as one of the globe's big four accounting firms. Deloitte has offered advisory services to companies for decades. As the debate on banning TikTok continues on Capitol Hill, young Americans supporting the app are making their voices heard. In New York City's Washington Square Park, some teenagers say a TikTok ban would stoke the ire of their generation. Here's what they're saying. I think Gen Z would sort of, in their way, riot around this. Look at the range of, of content creators. I mean, my mom is a Gen X, so I don't think it's just limited to Gen Z, but I think they're the change makers of, of making it stay if it were to, to get banned. They believe TikTok has more to offer than just entertainment. Maybe get on the app and educate yourself. I think there's more than just dancing on the app. You'll find education videos, cooking videos. I mean, there's a whole range of content out there. You just have to consume it if you have the time. I've heard a lot of stuff about how they're just going to ban it for government officials because they're wary about, you know, security issues, and that makes sense. But I'm not sure what it would mean for people like us, yeah. just general people. I mean, I don't, ha I don't have very much impressive stuff on my phone or what that would not. So I don't know what anybody would want with that. I think it would be a real shame if it was banned in the United States. I think information sharing and, and TikTok as a platform for that is exceptionally useful. I've learned more on TikTok about current events than I have through mainstream media because it's more easily accessible and it doesn't have to pass through a bunch of um, bureau bureaucratic gates. It's, uh, it's freedom of of information and I think it's an awesome platform. But meanwhile, they are realizing the addictive nature of this popular video app. Our generation's starting to realize how addictive it actually is and they're like trying to cut back their screen time and things like that and they realize that there's an algorithm so um, that's meant to keep them on the app and I'm not sure they like that and on Instagram they feel like it's less of an algorithm, more just like you're looking for specific things that you wanna see. Others share the concerns of lawmakers about TikTok's potential threats to U.S. national security. Makes sense, I guess, because it's like a privacy breach, right? Because they collect a lot of data. Like, I, I have watched a video about the privacy agreement, and apparently, like, once you agree to it, they can view your whole phone. Like, they can see, like, your contacts and such. And I thought that that was pretty weird. So that's why I uninstalled it, actually. Because, I, I don't know, I just don't want them to collect data. TikTok has more than 150 million users in the United States. Its CEO just testified in Congress over security concerns with the China-owned app. While some kids are in favor of keeping TikTok, some parents are taking a harsh stance against it. In a protest outside the U.S. Capitol on Thursday, groups called for an immediate ban. Let's take a look. Shut it down right now. Um, stop trying to influence our children. Stop allowing... Um, such harmful things to be on your platform. Most participants were internet celebrities, influencers, and activists. TikTok is a weapon being used to groom our kids. Every single day in America, our children are under attack. Predators are lurking everywhere, trying to get access to your children to groom them. Guys, the next phase of teen despair, of children's despair is here, and it's delivered by a Chinese algorithm. We have to ban it today. Among them, two mothers bared out her concerns. My main concern is girls. 
it's a it's an epidemic at the moment with girls and anxiety and depression and it's not coming from we know where it's coming from it, this is not a hard one to figure out so I, I don't see why it would be that challenging to um, do what we're asking which is ban TikTok. I mean if you look at the instances of people saying that they're transgender over the past four or five years where it's grown exponentially, you have to look at what could be influencing that. And TikTok has exploded as an app. And so they have to have some sort of influence in the content that they provide that would make kids feel like they want to change who they are. An activist sounded a stronger warning urging Congress to take action. So I'd like to speak directly to any members of Congress who are still on the fence about how they're going to vote on this and the American people. There's a very simple question that we all need to answer, and it's this. If China had soldiers showing up after school to American schools, picking up kids, taking them to indoctrination centers, and then teaching those kids what they want to teach them to produce a future where our children hate our own country, we would all stand up against it. Congress would act. This wouldn't be partisan and it shouldn't be partisan. If you care about our kids, you have to realize this is not an app. This is a weapon. Last week, the Biden administration demanded that TikTok's Chinese owners divest their stakes. Otherwise, they would face a potential ban. Despite objections, far more lawmakers support the move. Chinese-owned app TikTok saw its CEO grilled on Capitol Hill, telling lawmakers Thursday the app is not a national security threat. But Andrew Thornbrook, national security correspondent of the Epoch Times, says it's quite the opposite. We spoke with him for more details. Andrew Thornbrook, thank you so much for joining us. Great to have you on the show. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. So there's a lot of focus on TikTok right now. You have some pieces out for the Epoch Times. One of them talks about the TikTok CEO discloses warring info on U.S. user data storage. Walk us through that. What are the concerns here? Yeah, so there's a number of concerns. The first relates to how China's communist regime can access uh, U.S. user data. Uh, so CCP national security law, um, intelligence law from 2017, essentially allows the Chinese Communist Party to demand access to any data that a Chinese company has uh, or stores in China. Um, and this also applies to foreign companies as well operating in China. And so what that means is that any information about US users, any data, IP address, bank account information they've received, any of that information that TikTok passes to its China-based parent company, ByteDance, can therefore be uh, essentially demanded by, from ByteDance by the Chinese Communist Party. So all of this user data on Americans that TikTok has could potentially be used by the Chinese Communist Party for whatever ends they desire. And it seems TikTok is trying to make itself come across as secure. They're pushing this new thing called Project Texas. But it seems until then, the CEO was saying ByteDance employees, the Chinese parent company, can access U.S. user data. So how do you see that unfolding in your own research? What have you seen? Yeah, so there's some question as to whether or not it is unfolding. Uh, so Mr. Chu did say that they've begun uh, putting all new US user data into an Oracle Clouds based in the United States, which is great. Uh, but he also said that there is legacy data, that they're still storing American data uh, in Singapore, for instance, and that they're still actively sending data to ByteDance employees in mainland China, where it can be demanded from the Chinese Communist Party. So that's a huge threat. There's also another uh, issue 
here, which is how much control the Chinese Communist Party directly asserts over TikTok through ByteDance. And we saw Mr. Chu try to push back on this narrative time and time again, but ultimately, when he was asked if the Chinese Communist Party would have to sign off on Project Texas to actually allow it, he said, we don't think so. And when asked if he would have to change the algorithm to preserve ByteDance's authority over the algorithm if they moved away or if they were sold from ByteDance, he said, I don't know. So there is a real threat here that the Chinese Communist Party does have access to that data and will have access to that data for a long time to come. And it seems following this hearing, China has pushed back and saying, oh, we never demand this type of info, you know, but what is really the concern here? Why should Americans care? It seems a lot of people are like, oh, I don't work in government. Why should I care? But what's the issue here? Well, there's a lot of issues at stake here. Uh, the first thing is that actually national security law also demands that the Chinese Communist Party uh, can demand silence uh, from those they request the information from. In other words, if you're a company in China and the CCP requests this information, they can also, on pain of being arrested, demand that you never reveal that information to anyone else. Uh, it also gives them an immense power over how they use artificial intelligence and big data to adjust uh, ByteDance's algorithm, which is the algorithm that TikTok uses to promote content on its platform. So it is a hugely popular platform, but all this data on American user experience allows the Chinese Communist Party to understand what makes Americans tick and use that information against us, whether it could be to push propaganda, for instance, which they have done in the past. It can also be to censor content and make people think certain things aren't happening. So that is also something that TikTok has admitted it did in the past. Uh, it censored content about the Tiananmen Square massacre as well as the genocide against the Uyghurs in uh, Xinjiang. Andrew Thornbrook, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Pacific Air Force Commander Kenneth Wilsbach says China has some tough lessons to learn from Russia's war in Ukraine. NTD's Daniel Monahan has more on the general's comments. I hope that China is um, paying close attention, and I assume that they are. General Wilsbach says Russia tried to create an information space before launching its attack on Ukraine and says the lies they made up to rationalize the war didn't work and that no one in the international community bought them. He says China is now going down a similar road regarding Taiwan. Like the U.S. is trying to create uh, an Asian NATO or Taiwan is trying to, uh, trying to be a, a sovereign nation or independent nation. You know, the people that are talking about it, that is China. The general says China should take heed of how the world reacted to the Ukraine invasion. You know, after uh, the conflict started in Europe, how did the world come together? And they initially came together with sanctions um, and, you know, and economic measures uh, to create costs for Russia. Um, and then eventually they uh, went to support and, and even as far as lethal aid, um, that all happened. And I think that China should expect a very similar response, you know, if they were um, to uh, attack their neighbor. The general also remarked that Russia should have had it easy with a cross-the-border land operation and compared that with what China would face. China has the most difficult military operation there is to do, which is an amphibious landing coordinated with an air assault over 100 miles of ocean. The general says the CCP aims to impose its will on neighbors in the region and everybody else, 
but added that, like Ukraine, Taiwan is an adversary that would fight. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. The U.S. and China are facing off in the South China Sea. It's day two of a standoff between the two superpowers. China accusing a U.S. Navy destroyer, the U.S.'s Milius, of entering its waters. Beijing demanding the U.S. immediately stop such provocative acts and warning of serious consequences otherwise. The U.S. Navy responded that it was asserting its navigational rights, noting unlawful and sweeping maritime claims in the South China Sea pose a serious threat to the freedom of the seas. It also pointed out that U.S. forces operate in the South China Sea on a daily basis. China claims vast swaths of the area as its own territory, including areas that overlap with the exclusive economic zones of other countries, including the Philippines. Trillions of dollars in trade flow through the waterway every year. While the U.S.-China standoff continues, the Philippines is raising its own issues. The maritime dispute between China and the Philippines is still simmering. A Philippine official saying Friday it remains a serious concern. That's as the two countries aim to solve their issues peacefully through diplomacy. Here's more. This week marked the first in-person meeting between diplomats from China and the Philippines since before the pandemic. It comes amid a flare-up in tensions over what Manila described as China's aggressive activities in the South China Sea. The Philippines say last week a Chinese Navy ship was spotted near one of its disputed islands in the South China Sea. Adding to that, 42 Chinese vessels crewed by maritime militia were also spotted in the vicinity. Experts note China's fishing fleet plays a central role in its strategic ambitions in the area. That's through a constant presence that complicates local fishing activities. The Philippines filed 77 complaints against China's activities in the sea. China claims sovereignty over the Spraddle Island, but Brunei, Malaysia, the Philippines, Taiwan and Vietnam all hold competing claims as well. Some hope for China's crisis hit real estate giant Evergrande. The company rolled out its restructuring plan on Thursday. It involves $20 billion in foreign debt. Evergrande carries a total of more than $300 billion in debt and defaulted in late 2021. Since then, China's biggest developer turned into the world's most indebted developer and has struggled to stay afloat the last two years. Now, Evergrande aims to sign an agreement with creditors by the end of this month. If it fails, the company may have to dissolve, as filed by an investor in a Hong Kong court. But if the agreement is signed, it won't be smooth sailing for the developer. About $40 billion would be required to resume operations and finish its suspended building projects. Coming up, how does the U.S.-China chip war play into the next industrial revolution? China says it wants to be the leader in the fourth industrial revolution. That's the application of artificial intelligence to information technology. We spoke to David Goldman, corporate director and columnist of the Asia Times, for his take on what's happening. More on that after the break, here on China in Focus. With foreign companies operating in China feeling the heat, we spoke to David Goldman, corporate director and columnist for the Asia Times, for his take on what's happening in the semiconductor industry or microchips. These are the ones that fuel our everyday life, and it seems the two superpowers are battling it out. David Goldman, thank you so much for joining us. Great to have you back on the show. 
Well, thank you, Tiffany. So it seems right now one area big in focus is the chips industry or semiconductors. These kind of fuel our modern way of life from iPhones, computers, fighter jets, even the new chat GPT. So with that, we had the CHIPS Act last year, which is giving $52 billion to U.S. companies. But it seems the Biden administration is putting new guardrails in place. They're putting new rules on top of that to really stop these U.S.-funded firms from really promoting these companies in China. And with these new guardrails, where do you see this going? How is that relationship going to play out? I think we end up with a split tech world in which both the United States and China have competing supply chains. Uh, China is very far behind the United States in chip technology in terms of the production of the actual semiconductors that do the data processing and storage. Uh, it's 10 to 20 years behind us. However, in many of the applications to which you apply chips, uh, China is much more advanced, particularly when it concerns 5G broadband and its applications to things like autonomous vehicles, uh, factories, ports, and so forth. So it's a very unbalanced situation. And it seems on that note, even with these new rules in place, South Korea's trade ministry is pointing out it doesn't actually force U.S.-funded companies from stopping their China facilities. It's only to a certain limit. So what do you make of that? The Biden administration is trying to figure out how to stop China from becoming the dominant tech power. If you read the Chinese websites and Chinese press, uh, China says it wants to be the leader in the fourth industrial revolution. That's the application of artificial intelligence to information technology, which makes it possible not just to uh, downstream videos or play games, but to drive cars, unload freighters, uh, run factories, uh, and so forth. That's an enormous economic issue. And the Biden administration also doesn't want China to have an advantage in the applications of information technology and particularly artificial intelligence to military affairs. So it's trying to stop China's development of the semiconductor industry in a many faceted way. And David, earlier you mentioned how with these, say, guardrails in place, what could happen is we'll just have a more expensive chip industry. But aside from that, why should Americans care about this issue? If China dominates the fourth industrial revolution, we will be poorer, we'll be less secure, we'll be more beholden to other countries, our children will have a much dimmer future. Back in the 19th century, Britain had twice the living standard that we did in the 1870s and 1880s, but America became the world's dominant industrial power, and we very quickly caught up with and surpassed Britain. Uh, we don't want to have the kind of imperial decline that Britain went through. It's an ugly thing when it happens, and it affects the lives of uh, most of our citizens. David Goldman, thank you so much for joining us. My great pleasure. Thanks for inviting me, Tiffany. That's all for today's China In Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocus at ntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for watching. See you tomorrow.